1: Is to create the perfect society. He didn't want to make things perfect. He just hated things the way they are.
0: I want you all to know that I am grateful to fight beside my friends.
1: Incinerate them. Ready? For one last ride?
0: <laughs>
1: we'll all fly away together. Into
0: the forever. A beautiful sky.
1: Whoever it was that you were in love with, it sounds more like her. Her? That's ridiculous. Do not bring
0: me into <laughs> this. <laughs> <laughs> Knock it off! What? I just never noticed how black your eyes were.
1: They were replaced by my father as a method of torture.
0: He, he picked a pretty set. Marvel's anticipated Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 opens today, and I'm thrilled to welcome the film's production visual effects supervisor, Stefan Ceretti. Stefan has long been a part of the Marvel Universe. He earned Oscar nominations in 2017 for Doctor Strange and 2015 for the first Guardians of the Galaxy. His additional credits include Eternals, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Avengers Endgame. I'm Carolyn Giardino. Welcome to The Hollywood Reporter's Behind the Screen. (music) Stefan, thank you for joining us and great to talk to you again.
1: Thanks for inviting me, Carolyn. It's uh, nice to talk to you again.
0: So what was it like for you to uh, return to the Guardians franchise?
1: uh it was it was super excited that's something I had been looking you know forward to for a while i i I was very excited to come back and work with james gunn again um we had been you know uh working on it for a little while we we started in twenty eighteen and then the movie got pushed a little bit and we we came back in twenty twenty one um and it was just good to come back with the 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 guardians family you know the actors that I had been working with on the first one and also, the characters, you know, Groot and Rocket, even though they changed quite a lot, um, so it, it was exciting to come back and and just revisit uh, and and extend the story again and and really go deep into the story of Rocket as well.
0: Well, in this film, which was shot primarily in Atlanta, you um, again turned to a lot of visual effects vendors, Framestore, Weta, who were who were some of your other key vendors.
1: Yeah we had uh, uh, Framestore but Framestore was like spread across you know three three places we had Framestore in the UK Framestore in Montreal and Framestore in Vancouver obviously Weta was a big part of the of our team uh in New Zealand we had um Sony ImageWorks that uh, are based in Vancouver as well um, we had some vendors uh, in Montreal, we had Rodeo. Uh, I'm going to forget a few of them, <laughs> there's so many. We had about 10 vendors in total, but um, we had Crafty Aves in Los Angeles. Uh, we had uh, Rodeo, we had, I've already talked about them. We have uh, Perception, uh, we had Rise in London, uh, and Buffin in Paris as well, uh, where I started years ago, so they, they, they could join and, and work with us on this one, which was cool.
0: It's such a big, epic adventure. Uh, Roughly how many visual effects shots in total did you create for the film?
1: So there's exactly 3,066 shots in the film, which is a, a, a big amount. Uh, there's a lot of cuts. I mean, James has really changed his filming style since the first film. Uh, and now he's he's filming, you know, always with a moving camera. And it's very dynamic. And the, the cuts are very dynamic, too. So we had a, a lot of shots in the film. There's about 3,300 cuts in the film in total. So... Um, it, it was much more, you know, much more shots than we than we were used to. But it, it we also have some very long shots, like we have a, a two minutes uh oner that that is just one single big shot. So it's a mixture of super fast cuts and and some very long shots as well.
0: Well, as you mentioned, this story um, really focuses on uh, Rocket, and we learn a lot more about his backstory. So, um, so let's start there. We we meet a very young and, quite frankly, very adorable <laughs> Rocket. Yes. Yeah. So let's start with the character animation. Tell us about the research and um, and creating this character, the look and the way Rocket moved.
1: Yeah. Well, it's uh, we just want to be super realistic, even though we, you know, we make our Characters or animal characters talk. We always start from a very realistic study of who they are. So we have, you know, obviously raccoons. Um, and we had already studied raccoons quite a lot when we did the first one. We actually, I have a picture of James in my office in, in Pinewood in England, uh, years ago, uh, holding a baby, a little baby raccoon. And I've shown that picture to everybody, you know, at Frame Store because it's, It's what we wanted it to be, you know. It's just that little creature. And so we, obviously, the guys at Framestore are really good at this kind of thing. So they studied raccoons, you know. They already had done that on the first one. We already started from a real anatomical raccoon and then modified it to our needs to create rocket raccoon. But... Um, so all that study that they had done and some people that were on the first film were also on this one and or helped the team that were on this one at Framestore. And we really looked at a lot of videos of baby raccoons. I mean, it's, they're so adorable and so crazy at the same time. <laughs> they're very, very cute creatures. Um, so we had a lot of studying to do on that. But we had, you know, the otter, Lila. Uh, we had a walrus and we had a, we had a rabbit. A rabbit right. that actually his has you know, legs
0: three that are
1: like a, friends. <laughs> yeah, the three friends that are in the cages with him. And we also had all the other animals that we see at the end of the film. So it was a big kind of endeavor to create all these these animals. But but Rocket himself, because we had to see him evolve throughout the film, we had different stages of his evolution. And also, you know, starting from a real raccoon, a real little kid, to a slightly more evolved raccoon but also a raccoon that gets exper- experimented on so we had to go through all the different stages of his growth as a as an animal but also of the experimentations that are made on his body so we we were looking we knew what the end result had to be because we had seen rocket in the first film Uh, in that scene in the showers in the, in the kiln in the prison, you see the back, you know, his back, you see all the, the implants he had on his back and you kind of get a glimpse at what happened to him, um, during his youth. And now we had to elaborate on all these stages and see how he came to become that person. Um, so that, that was, Something that we really worked with, uh, with the, the Vizdev department at, uh, at Marvel. Obviously, James had very specific phases and every scene was written at a different stage of his evolution. So we had to kind of portray all of, uh, these, these modifications, uh, in a, in a very timely way, uh, especially, you know, all the, the, uh, uh, extra um, contraption he's getting on his body that will be going away after he's grown. You know, we had to factor in how the ribcage grows, all these things. It was pretty complex, um, but it was such a big integral part of the story that, you know, for us, we really wanted to get that very precisely made uh, for for the film.
0: Also, he's so expressive. i mean, his eyes. There, there is yeah. so much emotion in his eyes. Would you, would you talk about how you did that? that that's such a you know specific yeah. and really difficult thing to do.
1: I mean, especially for this film because <laughs> there's a lot of close-ups in this film. And we start, we open the movie with a very extreme close-up of the eyes of the baby uh, raccoon, and then uh, and then we, we we transition to Rocket, and it's. Uh, it was so important that we get that detail correct, and and I, I you know I came back to what we did on the first film where we we really tried to keep it as animalistic as possible. Um, so really what we what we looked at you know adding a lot of detail obviously also the fur seen from very very close up is extremely complicated, but also the wetness in the eyes, all these things you know seeing almost the tear ducts and uh, and. Uh, but also keeping the animalistic nature of, of a raccoon, which they have eyes that are really black, really dark, and you don't see the white that much. You only see it when they really look at, at you know, very raking angles. But most of the time when they look around, they just turn their heads. They don't really look around with their eyes as much as humans do. Um, and it was really important for us to just keep that animalistic feel so that the 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 audience could really relate to that character as an animal that was being, you know, abused to some degree. And that makes it even more, you know, difficult <laughs> or, you know, more emotive for the audiences. So it, it was really trying to keep it as real as possible so that it felt as emotional as possible.
0: What were um, some of the instructions that, you know, James Gunn talked about and the two of you talked about as far as what you wanted to do with Rocket?
1: Well, I mean, we talked a lot about about, about him. It was mostly about, you know, we, we wanted to get... That's the heart of the movie. I mean, all these sequences are the heart of the movie. That's the story we're trying to tell. The evolution of Rocket and how he came to be and how, you know, by the end of the film, you know, whatever happens to him. So it was... Um, for James, it's James was very involved in every step of the way. We just did, you know, a lot of tests with the faces. We did a lot of design with the faces, the eyes, as you said, animation tests. Um, he's very involved in the acting. Uh, and that's why we wanted to, when we shot the sequences with Rocket, obviously, we always have Sean gone with us Um for when we're on set. Uh, So that gives us an extremely good reference of what we need to do. And Sean is great at these things. He's also great at not just being on set as a, you know, a character for blocking, but he's actually acting with all the other actors. And, you know, we were very precise in terms of even matching eye blinks and eye direction, obviously a very big thing for James, but just the emotion that we're getting out out of Sean's acting, Uh, was enormous. Um, So it's it's really what James wants us to follow as much as possible every time we shoot with the actors. Um, Other than that, you know, it was about making sure we could look at that creature and never think that he's a CG character you know so really working on integrating him into the space um making sure that they would interact with the space like in the cages it's very dirty in the cages we we actually built real cages on set and the set dresser actually put a lot of dirt and a lot of little things everywhere pellets and and uh, you know they she was looking at me and she was like she's called rosemary and she was like steph you're not gonna like this and I said I, the opposite. I love this because that gives us a physicality that we we need to get. You know, we need to feel that these characters are interacting with their environment. And having, you know, all that stuff around them is really helping us sell that they're here. Um, we re- actually recreated all this environment in CG, but... Uh, that we could photograph it and really recreate it as as you know uh, real realistically as possible. Um, so all of these things, all these elements having dust in their fur, you know, all these things that really add to the realism when you're so close to them and you spend so much time with them. It was very important for that. The other thing that James, you know, we discussed with as we were doing animation blocking and uh, working with frame stories. The level of animation, and that was something we always talked about, even on the first film, is that James. The first thing he told me when I started on on Volume One was, "I don't want Rocket to be Bugs Bunny in the middle of the Avengers." Um, meaning, the animation needs to be realistic, simple, elegant, uh, not overdone. And for all these scenes with the, the the four little animals in in the cages, we really paid attention to. Making sure that they were just moving uh, and talking in a very uh, simple, humanistic way and never becoming a cartoon character. Um, because again, it's, it was all about the emotion level that we want to get out of it, and the more real it is, the more emotion you get. The more you relate to these characters. If they're, they were just cartoons, you wouldn't feel the same level of emotion for them. So that was a big part of our discussions with Framestore all the time. You know, going through all of that that stuff. We do we do a reference shoot uh, with motion capture, but actually the motion capture we used was only for the cameras because we wanted the cameras to move the same way they do in the rest of the film. Because of James' very specific way of covering the action and very specific way of moving his cameras, we wanted to absolutely acquire this, uh, so we wouldn't have to guess any of this stuff. But in terms of the animation, we referenced the blocking and the acting of the, the actors we had on, on set, but we did not do motion capture. It's all All of it is hand-animated. Uh, you know, body, face, everything. Um, so it's a lot of animation work and very precise animation work done by the, the guys at Framestore. We had four actors. The all, four, all four actors were, were here. Uh, Sean Gunn played Rocket. Yes, exactly. And then we had uh, uh, Linda Cardellini was playing Lila. And, um, uh, Miha- Mihaela Uver, I can never say her name. It's, it's difficult for me to say it in English, uh, was playing, um, uh, Floor, the little rabbit. And then Asim was playing, uh, uh the Warus uh, thieves. And actually, Asim was in a, we, we put him in a wheelchair so that he could get the physicality of being there, you know, as, as the walrus is in, as these wheels attached to his body. So we, we tried to get the physicality as much as possible. We created us, uh, an oversized, um, you know, cage's environment it was very simple there was no finishing or anything it was just for them to know where the walls were and where the the separation between the cages were and they could hold the bars and the bars were exactly built at the same distance as they would be in the in the the real set and uh and they they played everything together the the full scenes every se- every scene that you see in the cages was shot in that environment for the first two days of the film
0: well, let's also talk about Groot. In the second film, we mm-hmm. we saw a very young Groot, and now he's grown up. Uh, uh, yes.
1: <laughs> so, yes. Tell,
0: tell us about creating his character this time around.
1: Well, that was interesting. So, I, I came on the show, and uh, and James showed me how Groot had evolved. And the last time I had seen him, I think was in Thor: Love and Thunder. We were still that very, you know, limpy kind of. Uh, uh, teenager, you know, and, and then you see him and now he's like all grown up and muscular and, and it was a big, a big difference. Uh, but he still has this kind of little baby face, uh, in a way. So there's that kind of cute kind of like, uh, mixture of things where he's that very swole guy we we're calling him swole Groot uh but he still is so so nice and his big eyes and everything so it's, it's got that sweetness into him but he's very badass in the movie he does a lot of a lot, lot of action so uh and James the way he described Groot to me he said yeah not Groot now he's a you know he was a very difficult teenager but he's he's now a cool young you know young adult like he's he's the nice guy uh, who plays football and, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, I remember, you, I, I said, you, I said, just, can you just mime him for me or what he does? And, and James, I have said that video of James and he's like, oh yeah, he's always excited about everything. So he was kind of bouncing and, and, uh, and being happy. And so that, that was, that was good. And that's why you see him, you know, in the, in the Christmas special that we did at the same time as we did uh, the film, <laughs> the Christmas special was 600 shots on top of the 3000 we had to do for the film. <laughs> um, but he's dancing now is, you know, he's more liberated. He's a, he's a very nice little, I mean, I guess he was dancing in the second one, but uh, you see him as an adult still dancing and being very fun. But at the same time, you know, you get a few surprises on how good he is at fighting now. Uh, he's, he's back at, being that that badass group that we had seen earlier in the the first film.
0: You also had some very challenging environments to create in the movie. Um, Yes. Which one would you put top of mind?
1: Well, we had, I think the most kind of creatively challenging um, was definitely the, the, it's the orgoscope, it's the meat planet on which they they land, um, which was such a weird concept, you know. The first time I saw the concept done by... uh, Beth Mickle, uh, our production designer, I was like, okay, well, that's going to be easy. <laughs> uh, and we had to look at a lot of... Re- that's, that was not a film that a um, uh, vegan visual effects supervisor would would like working on, because we had to look at a lot of meat, you know, reference and see how the surfaces were squishy how to interact with our actors. And we, you know, we shot on a very simple... Um, squishy surface and in front of a black screen actually we we were shooting in front of a black screen and we had these uh, the actors kind of just you know being on top of that very weird surface so we wanted to convey the idea that you know everything was kind of um tactile and very very real and you could touch the things and it would feel squishy and you would interact with it and also they had to kind of cut through the surface of that planet to get inside the the microscope. so there's that uh always disgusting description that james you know gives us like this they cut a part of the meat and pull it out and there's like liquid attached to it it's all very disgusting but you know again tactile he was calling it the post sandwich. It's <laughs> just kind of disgusting, but that's uh that was a good description of it. It's it just that uh, it was very it was a lot of work and getting all these textures to really, you know, work very well and feel real and feel tactile and interactive for the actors. All of that stuff was was quite complicated and creatively challenging. Um and then we get inside the the place and there's like um these orbs that uh, have the recordings of uh, rocket and it's 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 all very kind of again tactile and made of bones and flesh and all kind of stuff that you know you can only come out of the the brain of James Gunn so yeah it was it was quite complex, but I mean we had a lot of complicated environment in the film you know um it's it's just uh it's a very uh demanding shot, uh, demanding film in terms of the variety of things we had to cover.
0: Would you like to also tell us about the big One? Or-
1: well yeah, I mean that one was that one was quite something. We <laughs> it was basically it's a, a big scene that happens in in a corridor in the Arete, which is the the spaceship of the the high evolutionary. And um I mean, I won't tell you all the detail, but it's a two minutes long sequence that is the fight with all the guardians together fighting against a bunch of crustacean robots. And, uh, it was very complicated. I mean, we, it took us three days to shoot this. Um, and it was, uh, took, I think it took, um, um, stunts. Quite a few months to kind of elaborate it, working with James and uh, Wayne Dalglish was the, the stunt coordinator for that or fight coordinator for this sequence. Um, and it, it was, um, you know, it's, it's one, it's one shot. Obviously, it's a stitch of different shots that we had shot o- across the three days. Um, and it's a big mixture of like, real element shot with the actors then going into full cg sometimes the actors are cg the stunts are cg then we connect to other cameras in different places it's it's a very elaborate sequence uh done by weta uh in new zealand and they They've really worked on it. We worked on it for almost a year in post-production because we turned that over really early. Um, and they had to do all these kind of super complex, you know, handover between real, real stuff that we had shot, digi-double, digital environment, um, camera floating everywhere, all of that to create that continuous two-minute fight in rhythm with the music because it, it plays with, um, um, with the song and then Every beat of the song is, uh, there's a, something happening in the frame. So we had to really marry the animation with the, with the soundtrack. Um, and it it was so complicated. It it really took us almost a year to finish that. We shot everything at 120 frames per second so that we could, you know, do time changes and go into slow mo and go back into high speed. So it was really complicated because we wanted to give James, Um, as much flexibility in terms of timing the events. Uh, so I know, uh, Weta actually match moved the entire, like, entire two minute sequence, which actually shot at 120 frames per second is six times longer. Um, And so we had to match move all these frames and then do the re-speed, the animation. It was really complicated. They did a great job on that. And I think it's quite a, it's quite a high point in the, in the movie. It's a great Um, sequence. Yeah, it's a great sequence. And people really, every time people watch it, like, you know, we've done a few test screening and we shown it to a few people and people are like, Oh my God. Uh, there was there was at the premiere last week. There was like cheers at the end. It was it was really fun uh, to see the reaction.
0: Now you've worked with some of these actors before from the first one, like Chris yes. Pratt. What are they yes. like to work with on set?
1: Oh my god, they're all so so nice. Actually, it's it's just it it really is a family. Uh, I, the only one I had never worked with is is Pom, who who does Mantis because I had not done Volume Two and she's French, so we got along very well really quick. <laughs> Um, and, uh, but they're such a great family and they know their stuff, you know, and they, they love James. They trust him implicitly and, you know, very deeply. And we had so much fun shooting it and we had so much fun and so much sadness at the end because, I mean, the last couple of days, especially the last day was very emotional and we were all finishing the last few scenes and saying goodbye to everybody. It was, it was, we were all, Crying like babies on the last day, uh, you know, cause we knew we wouldn't do it again. Um, so, uh, it was good. And I mean, they're, they're all great people and they're so good at what they do. And they, they really help us, you know, the visual effects, uh, people because they really, you know, they know what the result is going to be and they trust us too. And they give it their full collaboration and they, they understand the process. They work with us all the time and they, it's, it's really good because they, you know, our characters and everything we do wouldn't work with the act, without the actors trusting it, you know. So it's very important and they, these guys are so good at what they do so that really helps us sell what we're doing on our side you know these actors are great they understand and we give we are here to give them everything they need to give us everything we will need later later down the line so it's a good collaboration
0: now you, you described everyone as a family at what point in this did you find out that James Gunn was moving on to DC and how did that affect finishing the film
1: it it really just happened in post production uh pretty much at the same time as they announced it i mean there was little rumors obviously um but the the confirmation came um you know pretty much at the time they announced it and he, he started to work for uh, for dc as we were in post obviously but James would never abandon us. I mean, never, ever, ever, ever. That's his baby. Uh, right. He's been wanting to do this movie for a while and it's so important for him. And we had full access to him. He was there with us all the time. And James is, is a, you know, he knows how to work remotely. We, we were working remotely even before that. Um, because of you know the way we were setting up for the for post-production but he's very present. Uh I can text him or call him anytime I have a question he will answer in the you know in the next few minutes and it will clarify everything. We had him uh with the vendors uh with especially with Weta uh for the final battle he was there all the time uh to discuss animation and all these things. Um James is very involved and uh is very precise and I mean this movie was scripted and shot um without changing a one line of script uh we edited the film i mean the the edit was really good from the get go i was very stable all we spent our time doing was making it better and not changing it you know um and we had a very linear process which for visual effects is extremely important. Um and I think that's a big part of, you know, how, how it came out in the end is that we had the time and we had uh, the the you know, the dedication of the director and his knowledge is very good at visual effects. Um He understands all our concerns and he pushes us all the time, as he should. Uh, but it's always a, a huge collaboration and there is a lot of respect involved into making the film. So it, it was, I think, for the vendors, um, it was a really good experience. I, I don't want to talk for them, but... I'm sure if you can talk to them, you'll you'll get that same feeling is that it was really a good collaboration. And we tried to be respectful of everybody's needs and uh, timely uh, expectations in terms of notes and, you know, ideas and all that stuff. So we we really uh, worked uh, as we as we should uh, to make it uh, the most linear and, you know, process and moving forward all the time, trying not to go backwards or not to change ideas too many times, just making it, everything better as we were moving forward.
0: Now, I realize this happened at the tail end of Post, but how or were, were you affected by Victoria Alonso parting ways with the studio?
1: You know, it's uh, it's always a sad thing when you see someone you've worked with for years going away and that's someone that you respect and that you really enjoy working with, Um it the truth is our film being done by James um there was a, you know there was a little less implication from the studio she was looking at everything we were doing every week and uh, there was very little notes coming from her because things were going very well and you know as as i said we had a very good process with James of approval and and making the film that he wanted to do and all the all that stuff so there was because there was no problem on the production she was not that involved, obviously. Not that she's just involved where there's problems, but of- obviously she will pay more attention when there's issues. And we didn't really have any issues. Um, so, but and, you know, it's it didn't affect us in terms of affecting the production. It affected us emotionally, but not uh, not on a uh, not on a production level. I would say um, it's um, yeah, it is what it is.
0: Another question I just wanted to ask you quickly about the tail end of Post was, Mm -hmm. driven by James, you created about 600 versions for the theater. He had a few different aspect ratios and combinations of 2D and 3D that he wanted to do to support each type of theater in addition to, of course, you know, things like, you know, the different sound systems, local languages exactly, and things like exactly. that. So um, h- how did that impact your process and w- the visual effects specifically?
1: Well, it didn't that much, actually. And I'm going to tell you why. Again, just to come back to why this is a very linear production, is that it was designed this way from the get-go for, for us. You know, he, when we were shooting, we knew that we, James had already laid out the an hybrid aspect ratio for the film. So we knew which se- which sequences would be in 240 and which sequences would be in 189. Uh, so that was all laid out as we were shooting already. So framing was done according to this. Uh, so in that sense, we always deliver um full frame anyways. Uh, in terms of visual effects, we deliver the one, you know, the correct aspect, the full frame aspect ratio, so 189 in that case. Um, so it didn't really affect us. There was, when we started doing, uh, so we have a two-forward timeline, then we have an hybrid timeline, then we have a full 189 timeline. So because that's the three, the three formats we're really working with. Uh, when we ended up doing the two-forward timeline, which was cropping some of the shots that were designed in 189, there was some reframe involved. There's a, a few shots we had to actually redo a 2.4.0 version for because the framing of the shot like in space or everything was not working in 2.4.0 so we pushed things away redid the lensing and then re-rendered a couple of shots but it wasn't that many actually um, it's just a lot of versions to carry you know for editorial and for Opus production uh, especially when you start having you know all these hybrid formats and um the 3D version, the EDR version, the Dolby the- <laughs> visioned uh, so it's a lot of you know once you've done your three master kind of framing version then all of them stem into a myriad of different versions that all need to be you know qc'd so quality controlled and everything so i've been watching this movie quite a bit in the last couple of weeks uh, all the different versions and you have to to do the di for the you know the normal version and the the 2D EDR, then the 3D EDR, then the 3D IMAX and the, the 2D IMAX. And the, it's, uh, it's a lot of, uh, of uh, versions that we have to carry.
0: And I understand Stefan Sonnefeld came on as the colorist. He did, yeah. Button, right?
1: It was really great with Stefan because, it's, you know, he had also been um, color grading all the trailers So as, which is kind of unique because usually you, you get someone else to do the trailers and then, and then the, the film colorist comes at the end. But here, because James wants to work with Stefan, we have Stefan for every step of the way. And we had done some, you know, pre-grades earlier. So we knew where we were going. So the, the DI process was extremely, uh, streamlined. And we had, we made sure that as soon as they started the DI, they had a version for every shot. Um, and we, f- you know, we finished f- delivering, uh, you know, QC version as we were finishing the, the DI, but it was pretty smooth and they could color the film very efficiently. Uh, and Stefan is very, is uh, he's very good and very quick and is very organized. Like his, uh, his timelines for DI are extremely well organized and is, you know, he's got already all the mats prepared and we give him mats and he's, everything is very, very well, very well prepared.
0: Well, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 opens today. You must be thrilled to be getting this out to theaters so audiences yes. can enjoy it.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how people are going to react. It's, it's, it's quite a film. Uh, it's, uh, it's very emotional, very funny. Uh, I think it's got everything for itself. And it's, it's just like, it's a nice way to kind of finish the trilogy and get everybody on their... Uh, on the end of their stories and say I love these characters I'm sad to see them you know finishing um and maybe we we don't know what's gonna happen with them uh, but it won't be I don't think it will be with James again uh we'll see what happens <laughs> but uh yeah it was it's an emotional send-off for all of us uh and I, I think the audiences will really feel that um and enjoy it too
0: well, congratulations on your fantastic work and it was great to talk to you again. Thank you so much. Yeah,
1: thank you so much, Caroline.